Welcome to the Redeemer Rockford Students Podcast. My name is JT Stead and I'm your host. And I'm sitting right here with one of our interns, Colin Jones. Colin, how are you doing this morning? I'm good, JT. Good morning. I heard you had a late night. I did. I was out hot tubbing with the boys last night. Man, sounds interesting. Yeah, after a Wednesday night. In the most Christian way. We were when encourag- it was raining. We were encouraging one of our brothers in the rain in a hot tub. That is, that sounds it was glorious. Very sweet. That sounds glorious. Well, anyways, we just had Wednesday night and so... I just preached on Ephesians 2 on hostility and how Jesus Christ is our peace. And Gabe Whitaker preached in junior high to the junior hires on the image of God. So we've been actually walking through Genesis 1 through 3 on foundations. And that kind of, it's foundation beliefs of the Christian faith that form our faith and form our worldview. And that's what we want to talk about on this podcast. As we, as you know, we have started the first Wednesday of every night. We're doing, or first Wednesday of every month, we're doing something special. Colin, what are we doing on those Wednesday nights? That's right. We are doing a segment that we're calling Defending the Faith. And so we're going to be diving into and looking at what different worldviews are, what the Christian worldview is, and what the response of a Christian would be to some of those worldviews and how the gospel informs how we live. And so with all those things, we thought it would be helpful to do a podcast for us and for anyone who's going to be at the Defending the Faith nights to look at what a worldview is. And basically just what we're even talking about. What are, let's go back to the basics. Yeah, kind of what is a Christian worldview in opposed to the other many worldviews right. is what we want to talk about. Just to give you a foundation so that when you show up to the Defending the Faith Nights, um, you are, you're ready to, to see how to respond to false teaching, cults, or other isms, which are worldviews pretty much. Um, and so this last... Wednesday or the first Wednesday of January, we did Christianity versus Deism. You could say Deism. Is that the actually how you say it? In I'm not sure. Yeah, we should look that up. <laughs> it sounds a little more uh, pretentious. I think <laughs> yeah. maybe I should stop. Deism. We're going to be looking at Deism today. We look at Deism. Yeah. I'm like, what is Deism? Is that like 24 hour belief in 24 hour days? Deism. Yeah, the, the, the uh, young Earth people love that. <laughs> They're <too>. Deisms. <laughs> uh, no, so. Um, so yeah, that when do those defending the faith nights happen? Other like what time on the first Wednesdays of the month? So they coordinate with our church's prayer night first Wednesday of the month, and they're at six se- to seven. Six to seven o'clock. So, so six to seven p.m. Seven. We have food there, mm-hmm. so we have Costco pizza. We got some chicken nugs and some drinks. Bring four bucks if you want dinner and a show. Right. As we defend the faith against different worldviews, false teaching, and cults, and so. Um, that that will be happening this coming this February, and Colin will be uh, leading this one, which I'm really excited. So let's lay the foundation. I talked about the first uh, this month. Um, I talked about what a worldview is, and this is how I defined it. You could correct me if I'm wrong, Colin, just based off what you've read. A worldview is a world and life view. Okay, world and life. It's like how we view the world. And life within the world. So the illustration that I use to describe a worldview is kind of like glasses. Everyone's wearing glasses. And they're not Ray-Bans. They're not, I don't even know any other brands. Well, if you're a a deist, they're like the cheap ones you get from Walmart for like $3. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. They're man-made. Yeah, anyways, everyone has these glasses on. And it's just as you look through glasses and you see the world. Yeah. A, a worldview acts as your lens um, by which you understand morals, understand where we were created, 
you know, or were we created or not, where we came from, where we're going, what the problems of life are, and the solutions to those problems. Um, every single one of, every single person has that. Mm-hmm. The question is, is, is your worldview right? And does it make sense of the world that we live in? Is that, Colin? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good definition. Um, another one I've thought of, maybe this will just help color it out a little bit more, is almost like uh, bones on a body. And then the way that we live is the flesh in a sense. And so the bone, you, the thing about a worldview is you don't see a worldview. I don't walk around with a sign saying, <laughs> these are my, my presuppositions. But mm. a worldview is presuppositional or things I already believe bones in my in my life that structure the way that I live. And so then... Okay, so people, just, just as you have bones, but I don't see your bones. Right. You know, so that's what a worldview is. Everyone has structure you said presuppositions what is a presupposition presupposition is a an idea or a belief that we hold to that we suppose beforehand to put it in the most literal sense we, <laughs> yeah. we take it we take it at face value take okay. it for granted or so we, we believe it we all have biases right? right or it's pretty much what it is it's like the foundation of how we view everything so when people say that act was wrong they're working from a presupposition of some morality. Yeah, right? the framework, the bones, their worldview. So yeah, mm-hmm. I look at you and I know you're JT. Mm-hmm. And and if we go back to this bone analogy, it's like that that our bones are the structure that informs what we come across to as people. People don't see our bones though. Mm-hmm. I don't walk around with a sign that says what my worldview is. Mm-hmm. But the way that I live is dictated by my worldview or it's informed by my worldview. Mm. So that's extremely important because it, it's the way that we live. It's... Another thing is worldview uh, has to do with particularly four categories, I think. The way that what we believe about God, mm-hmm. what we believe about other people, mm-hmm. what we believe about creation, and then what we believe about ourselves. And to some degree, it has to happen in that order. It needs to start with what we believe about God. Yeah. So that's the most important thing to lay down for any worldview. What do you, what do you believe about God is the primary yeah. question. Everyone's a theologian. Everyone has right. thoughts about who God is. Whether you're an atheist or you're a Christian or a Jew practicing Judaism— um, or uh, a Muslim, or Hindu, or Buddhist, all, all these different, everyone has views about God. So that you're saying that that's the most important, that's the first start of a worldview. Right. Yeah, that's the first question to look at. You know who's an absolute stud? Uh, I mean, I can think of a lot of people. I mean, Wyatt Earp, um, Braveheart. William Wallace. William Wallace. uh <sighs> I don't know. Yeah. How about, how about uh, Herman Bovink? <laughs> Herman Bovink? Herman Bovink. Okay, who's that? Uh, that was a Dutch theologian, and uh, he wrote mm. a couple of great books. He has a definition of worldview that he gives us that maybe we could look at and sort of pick apart. Okay. Um, I'll read it here. It says, It is an attempt, a worldview is an attempt to unify the self, the head, and the heart on the ground of a primary agreement between religion, science, and philosophy. A world and life view means, in brief, faith-seeking understanding. Hmm. What do you think of that? Well, let's dissect it a little bit. So, what's yeah? Say it again. A worldview is an attempt to unify the self, the head, and the heart, on the ground of a primary agreement between religion, science, and philosophy. Hmm. Which you're is trying to make so, so the idea is you're trying to make sense of living in this world. Who, who pretty much is like? Right. I have these desires. I have these affections. I. I'm living, what's my purpose, why am I here? I'm trying to understand this life, pretty much, faith-seeking understanding. Right. 
Yeah, world and life view means in brief faith-seeking understanding. Mm-hmm. And everyone has faith in something. They're putting their faith, their trust in some content or some knowledge or right. object, right? So an atheist would put their faith, they would probably not say it like this, but they would put their faith in maybe an evolution process as the means by which uh, we were, that's our origin, that's where we came from, was chance, time plus chance equals what we are today. And so their faith is in those things. Right. Which goes <laughs> um, back to our presuppositions word, it's, it's yeah. the same thing, everyone has presuppositions, Biases, faith, whatever you want to call it, people believe in something. Yeah. Even if they say, it, even if they're a nihilist and they say they believe in nothing. What is, yeah, so a nihil, nihilism is a worldview. Right. It means that there's no purpose for life, pretty right. much. But they're presupposing things, even in that they have faith in something. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's just important to okay. think about as we move on. Yeah, and yeah, I think it's very practical because anyone that you meet on the street, any person at school, any any person on your sports team, anyone at work, they all have beliefs about God. They all have certain beliefs about man. I think most people would say man has inherent value, worth, and dignity. As Christians, we would say that's because we're made in the image of God. Right. But other people would say they would have to give a reason for that. They, If they deny creation, they're not going to say it's because we're made in the image of God. They're going to come up with a different reason. So, And then you got to ask the question, okay, does that reason that they give make sense with life? Right. What is what worldview um, makes sense makes the most sense in the world that we live in and offers the best solution to the problems within the world? And so I just want to go. So I have a book right in front of me that's super simple. It's like a hundred pages, but it's called "What What's Your Worldview" by James Anderson. And it's kind of like one of those books that it's like an interactive book. You you answer questions, and if you say yes, you like flip to a certain page. If you oh, say yeah, yeah, yeah. If you say no, you go to the next page. Choose your own adventure. Yeah, for it, it's kind of worldview. Yeah, it is like that. Don't but, get eaten by the yeti. But I just want to talk about different, and, and so th- he has all these questions, and depending how you answer questions, like do you believe in objective truth or subjective truth, right? All these things, it's going to lead you to a specific worldview. Mm. And so he's got a bunch of worldviews here just so the listener can be aware that Christianity isn't the only um, uh, worldview. There's tons. So and I'm going to give you the some I'm going to give you five categories here. So first there's atheistic worldviews. Mm-hmm. Okay? So what would be some atheistic worldviews? Uh, that just comes to your mind. Man, there's it's it gets kind of nuanced, but I think evolutionism, which is being taught in public schools would go with atheism. Yep. Atheism also results in nihilism, believing that there's no point in life. Yep. Um, there's atheistic dualism, atheistic idealism, which honestly I probably couldn't give you a definition, but this book does. Yeah, <laughs> they so got a chapter on it. Um, so yeah, materialism, naturalism, yeah. all these things would be atheistic worldviews. Then there's theistic worldviews. So, right, so that would be things like, well, we have Islam would be theistic. Mm-hmm. Judaism would be theistic. Christianity mm-hmm. would fall under the um, theistic. Mm-hmm. De- um, uh, is deism? Deism would be. because Or is that a quasi? Yeah. Anyway, no. <laughs> there's atheistic, there's theistic, quasi-theistic worldviews. So it's like uh, a little bit of God, a little bit of not. Finite theistic worldviews and then non-Christian theist worldviews. And so I know those are big words. You're like, what do those mean? But this book, honestly, I would give this to a ninth grader. It, it is a really fun, easy book to read. 
What is your worldview by James Anderson? And it goes through tons of different, and you're going to meet people with these worldviews and you need to know how to answer them. Yeah. So as a general structure, what kinds of questions should worldviews answer or what kinds of ideas do does a worldview interact with? Yeah. So let's get really practical here. And we're going to talk about the Christian worldview. We're going to talk about four questions that make up a worldview. And then what is the Christian worldview? So, and we might interact with some other worldviews as we're going along that. So the four basic questions that uh, I, I mean, some people say there's five basic questions, some six. I think these four kind of cover everything um, in, in terms of worldview. First is the question of origin. Why is there something rather than nothing? Basically, where did we come from? Um, that is the first basic question of a worldview. The second is what in the world has gone wrong? Good question. <laughs> so that's has to do with morality, I would say. Obviously, if something has gone wrong, that means that we have we have categories of right and wrong. Right. So that's important. Three is is there any hope or what is the solution? Hmm. So every worldview has some sort of salvation um solution <laughs> whether that's emptying your mind or being a good person mm-hmm. or doing your part in society or saving the planet <laughs> you know there's there's a lot of different uh ways to or or live living hedonistically for your own pleasures that is the height of make the best of life yeah that's the height of salvation and then the fourth question is where is history headed that's it has to do with destiny so let's talk but let's go through all four of those. First, why is there something rather than nothing? What does the Christian view teach? And I'll also throw in uh, telos there, the purpose, why we were created as well mm-hmm. within origin. So what do, what do Christians confess? Christians confess that, in the be- well, Scripture confesses in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And we could just mic drop and walk out right there. So but- three, three really important things. You just said it. Christians believe that there is a beginning. Right. That God created. God created so in the beginning one two god there's a god and he's a self-sufficient all-powerful um immovable mover (laughs) Um, eternal infinite god who created by the word of his power everything that we see out of nothing and what's beautiful too and this is what is the beauty and the wisdom of the christian worldview is that it gives meaning to life and so we have along with that that's from Genesis 1, 1. Mm-hmm. But because it is God who created and because there was a beginning and God's outside of time and worthy to be worshipped, mm-hmm. we know that our purpose, would, the reason that we were created for is to glorify God and to enjoy Him mm. forever. So when God created everything, He called it good. Right. Right? And so it was very good. And he, so you just mentioned the purpose, why God created all things. So a, a designer has a purpose in the design. And God's purpose is to is ultimately His glory, His glory in exalting His Son, and He exalts His Son by giving Him a bride, which which then goes from creation to redemption, which we're already getting ahead of ourselves a little bit with the yeah. questions. But but the purpose is to glorify God. Now, does that mean that God is lacking glory? Not at all. He's perfectly glorious in Himself, but um, it's a it's a privilege and a joy and it gives purpose and meaning to life when his creatures get to participate in in glorifying him mm-hmm. not that he needs our glory not that he needs us to add to his glory mm-hmm. perfectly sufficient in himself 
and all glorious, completely glorious, couldn't be more glorious. Mm. But it is a sweet thing that we get to engage in that. Yeah. And so we were made in the image of God. And so that within being made in the image of God, made in his likeness, um, that means that, yeah, you're going to say yeah, something. Yeah, well, let's, let's interact with like things that we see on the news all the time. Mm-hmm. And people are saying stuff about uh, racism and sexism and all these things. Mm-hmm. And these are extremely blown out of proportion right now. Yeah. They're talked about way more than they should be. Mm-hmm. But there's some level of reality to some of those things. For sure. We're, and so, yeah. so what we have to do, though, is the Christian view informs that. You can't talk about racism without the Christian worldview. Right? Yeah. You can't talk about sexism without the Christian worldview. Mm-hmm. If you're talking about evolution, um, if you're an atheist and you believe in evolution, mm-hmm. then as for sexism, men are generally biologically stronger than women. So mm-hmm. survival of the fittest. Yeah. And then we would all fail to survive. So Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but How do you but make that's sense? the idea. Yeah. It's all other ideas except the Christian worldview are self-destructing when, mm. you, when you trot them out. And so this is the beauty and wisdom of the Christian worldview. It makes sense of the world. Yeah. Right. So it starts with God. So the Christian worldview starts with God and then works its way down to man. Whereas those who deny any supernatural involvement or any God, their only other option is to start with man. Right. Which is why you pretty much have two different worldviews. Um, you have the Christian worldview that starts with God, and and God then is like the sun; it shines light on the earth, and it tells and it shows us who we are as men and what we are as man, and how we are to live. But if you're starting, then you have humanism, pretty much, where yeah. man is the center of all things, and the the uh, product of chance, uh, the product of evolutionary process. Which evolution, if you think about it, in and of itself is not a theory about origin it's mm-hmm. just it, it's about it's observing what is already there they so they still have to make how why do we have something rather than nothing right and where did that something come from and you know it really is just self-creation which is uh which is contradictory like you can't you can't be and then create at the same time right, right. <laughs> um so in order to self-create, there needs to be a being who then makes the same being. But you're either creator or creature, pretty much. And so it just contradicts itself in a lot of ways. Well, not just in a lot of ways. <laughs> entirely. In entirely. So before we go to the next question, can yeah. we trot out more of those two lines of thinking, humanism yeah. and the Christian worldview? Yeah. Where so, do you see humanism starting? Humanism starts with man, so it's usually a materialistic worldview. All we, see, all we have and all we see is is what we see <laughs> materialism naturalism the world man as the pinnacle of all the creation though it's kind of right now people would probably put animals at the at the same <laughs> but but that's actually they would say animals are just as important as men why because if we're products of evolutionary if we're just species we're just another species so what's what's the difference between a snail and us right what's the difference between a million years yeah what's the difference between an ant and us like how come the ant has you know, how can we have more value than the ant if we're just saying uh, if we're just the the product of the same evolutionary process? Yeah. What gives humans more value and dignity and um, than the smallest of creatures? Yeah. The evolutionary war uh, war <laughs> worldview doesn't has a really hard time explaining that. Um, they would say, well, uh, they would maybe say because we are more advanced in knowledge and and uh, that we could we have the capacity to think 
more and therefore were more enlightened. And, um, and so society then, uh, the collective whole is the standard of what says something has value or not. So if society says this has value, worth, and dignity, then it does. But then the problem with that, as we know, is World War One and Two <laughs> kind of brought this out, is what about Nazi Germany? What about uh, Stalin? What about these people who, what about slave masters over the slaves that say, as a society, say, we have more value than this person? What makes you right and them wrong? If the whole society at the time, if Nazi Germany at the time, they're collectively saying, no, we are more, we're with the superior race. And then they bring that to its logical conclusion, which is genocide of people. They're living consistent within their worldview, survival of the fittest. We are a more fit society, a more fit people, and therefore we're going to exterminate those that are not. They were consistent. Wrong, morally wrong, it's, it's sick. But who's to say that that was wrong and your worldview is right and your society is right? Who's the arbiter of truth? Who's the mediator between those two? Yeah, if there is no God, there's no <laughs> yeah. lawgiver. Yeah. So that's where you get into problems. So we have to start with God. God as the perfect lawgiver, the creator who created us with a purpose, which was to glorify him. And we know how to glorify him because he's revealed himself not only in creation but in his word. And his word right. teaches us to do two things. One, what we are to believe about God and what uh, duty God requires of us. And when we are living in light of what God has called us to do, there's joy, <laughs> right? What is the chief end of man? What was the purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. So what in the world has gone wrong? This is the second question. Oh, so, which we got to speed through these. Why is there something rather than nothing? The Christian worldview says that in the beginning, God, right? And this is the triune God, <laughs> Father, Son, and Holy Spirit which separates it from Judaism and Islam that would say, yep, it's God too, but we believe in the triune God, one one being, three persons. What in the world has gone wrong then, according to the Christian worldview? Good question. And people have been asking that question for a long time because they look around and they see, they see destruction and they see sin, they see pain around them. Even people who would claim not to believe in morals, they see pain around them and they see, uh, they see sin whether they like it or not. And so uh, we only have to go two chapters past where I read the first time yep. or where I recited the first time for creation, and we have the fall of man. And it starts with the serpent coming to Adam and Eve. He lies to the serpent, and he tries to usurp God's authority. He tries to say that God doesn't really know what he's talking about. He doesn't care for you like he says he does, and he doesn't want the best for you. But you can take matters into your own hands. Mm. And that is a theme that runs throughout all of Scripture. And that is if in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and our purpose is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever is the seed of Christian, Christ, the Christian worldview and the seed of humanism is you can take things into your own hands. Mm. And you are... Babel. Exactly. This is why it runs all through Scripture. Yeah. It's in here in Genesis 3. Mm -hmm. It's Cain killing his brother Abel. Mm -hmm. It happens in Babel. It happens with the men of Sodom and Gomorrah. And the Gomorrah. Tower of Babel is actually the paradigm by which to view the city of man or this world. That's, that yeah. is humanism. Yeah. Let us make a tower <laughs> to make a great name for ourselves. That is... That is humanism right then, then and there. And so throughout the Bible, you have these two competing worldviews. Right. <laughs> so continue to go. So what has gone wrong then? So then uh, the woman sees the fruit after she's been lied to, and she takes it and she eats of it. And we all blame Eve, but her husband should have been there to 
watch over her. The Bible and, blames Adam. Yeah, Scripture blames God blames Adam a mm-hmm. few verses later, mm-hmm. and so Adam also took the fruit. He did not stop his wife, and he also took the fruit. And then God comes down, and they hide themselves because they're ashamed mm-hmm. of their sin. They try to cover themselves. That's that's humanism, good works. Then they try to hide because they can't do that, so it's shame. Yep. And then they blame each other. <laughs> they blame each other. And why do we have wars? Nations blaming each other and hate mm-hmm. each other. <laughs> so this is this is what has gone wrong? Sin. <laughs> Adam failed the test in the garden as a representative. Um, God had made a covenant with him, and the and the covenant was this that you could eat of any tree in the in the garden. You're called to be fruitful, multiply called to take dominion subdue the earth to spread god's glory to all places and you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and the day that you eat it you will surely die Hmm. if adam passes the test he earns eternal life for him and all of his posterity but he doesn't he disobeys god plunging all people into sin and death and so you're probably turning to romans chapter 5 right now so why don't you just read romans chapter 5 and so we see adam who is yeah, wanting to be like God. There is selfish ambition there. There's lust of the flesh there. He, he committed treason against God. Um, he committed murder. How did he do that? By plunging all of his offspring into sin and death. Right. Um, Which explains the problem of evil, that question, what's gone wrong? Mm-hmm. So we've summed that up in Genesis 3. So Genesis 1 is origins. Genesis 3 answers what's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we can turn all the way to Romans 5. And this answers our, what's the third question? Is there any hope? What is the solution? All right, let's see. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, speaking of Adam in Genesis 3 where we just were, and death through sin, that is because we sinned, we are now bound to death, spiritual death and physical death, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. So death spreads hereditarily Mm -hmm. to all people. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Hmm. Oh, there's someone coming. Hmm. And I'll skip down to 18. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, that is, Adam's sin led to condemnation for all of us. Anyone who's born of Adam is condemned immediately. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Mm-hmm. Yep, so to understand the Bible, this it's really simple. You have two different types of people. You have Adam and you have Christ. Christ is the last Adam, and they're both representatives of a covenant people. Those who are in Adam are under the law. They're in sin. They're dead in sin. Um, they're condemned, right? But those who are in Christ by faith alone, uh, they're in the new covenant. Uh, they've repented of their sins, they, they have eternal life, and um, they've been justified. They're made right in God's eyes. Their status is now of a child of the king. And so you have two different people groups, and I just preached on this, is Jesus Christ came to make a new humanity. That's part of salvation, is changing us from the inside out. All You're either under a covenant of works or you're under a covenant of grace. Or if you don't like that language, you're either under the law or you're under grace. <laughs> if you don't like that language more, you're either <laughs> in sin or you have life in Christ. Both both are uh, how we understand the whole Bible. And so salvation then is not by our efforts. It's not by building towers. It's not by elevating man. It's by humility. It's by 
Uh, it's by faith. It's, faith is just the open hand that receives Christ Jesus. Jesus is our salvation. He was God's um, sent one to save the world, to save all those, world meaning every tribe, tongue, and nation, yeah. um, who, those within those nations who tr- put their trust alone, 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 in Christ Jesus alone for salvation. Yeah. And so, why is there something rather than nothing? God. What has gone wrong? Man has sinned against God. What is the solution? Jesus Christ. He is the solution. And a lot of atheists or people, they like to, they like to throw the question on, on believers saying, why, if God is all good, powerful, you know, all loving, why is there evil in the world? At least the Christian worldview can make sense of evil and give a solution to evil. But I like to throw that question at the atheist and like to throw that question at the Hindu or the Buddhist or the, or the Muslim. Because they have to ask, answer that question. And then you have to say, what makes sense to the world? What is the best answer? <laughs> because suffering to those that don't believe in God is just a disruption to life. Right. Um, there's got to be something um, more than there is. Um, Christ Jesus a God who who is God in the flesh came and suffered with humanity, entered into suffering and suffered not only with but for humanity to save them. And so, where is history headed? And this has to go with you read in the garden, right? Yes. In the garden, you know, God's are, taking us back to the garden, a better garden. A better the garden. garden uh, the garden represents the present being with God, the presence of God, dwelling His with people God. being brought back into His presence. And so if you if we turn to Revelation then, so we've been in Genesis 1 to answer the first question, Genesis 3 for the second question, mm-hmm. um, Romans 5 for the third question, yep. and Revelation I think would be good for this last question. Yeah, where are we headed? So there are two different destinies for people. I can't just read one section. And so mm-hmm. let, me, let me read this. Genesis, or sorry, Revelation 20. 13 says and the sea gave up the dead who were in it death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them and they were judged each one of them according to what they had done and then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life he was thrown into the lake of fire Hmm. so here's this first one maybe we can hash this out Mm -hmm. the way the direction history is heading is two different categories for two different people, two different eternities for two mm-hmm. different people. Mm-hmm. And this is what we believe. Again, let's go back to the Adam and Christ paradigm. Yep. If you are in Adam, if you are merely a son of Adam mm-hmm. and not united with Christ, then what's the destination for those people? Eternal damnation. The wages of sin is death. I mean, what was the punishment for Adam breaking the law of God in the garden? The day that you surely eat of it, you will die. Yeah. So death is... is uh, eternal death is the consequence for our rebellion against a holy God. That's good. <laughs> yeah. That's and so the opposite then is Christ. The good news is that Christ died. He he lived. He did what Adam did not do. He obeyed God's law perfectly. He loved God with all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength and loved his neighbor as himself. And he didn't just... He, and he did that perpetually personally and entirely (laughs) he he obeyed the law and then he died on the cross he took the penalty of the law for us so that all and he rose again from the dead he is alive today it is a historical fact that he rose from the dead 
and those who repent of their sin and cling to Christ by faith alone, they have eternal life. And they we're all headed to the new creation now. Yeah, let me read this because it's beautiful. It's Mm -hmm. a return to a better garden. Uh, the new heavens and the new earth. God's creating a new place for his people to dwell with him. So Revelation 21, this is a longer passage, but I think it's really sweet. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so those who are in faith, or who, who have faith in God, are a part of that new Jerusalem, that bride. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Mm-hmm. There's that theme we're talking about, being reunited with the presence of God. Mm-hmm. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And This is good hope. This mm-hmm. is good. Mm-hmm. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I'm making all things new. Also, he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. So we have the second death, and we have the new Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. We have perfect eternal joy forevermore being united to god in christ Mm -hmm. or we have the second death being separated Mm -hmm. from god eternally yeah and that that is written on the hearts of every single person and so how do we how do i let's i'm going to package what we just talked about in four words the christian worldview can be summed up in four words creation fall redemption fulfillment or consummation I guess five words there. So we believe that God is the creator of all things. That's creation. And he's he's created everything uniquely. It's good and for a specific purpose, his glory. Man rejected God, rebelled against God. That is the fall of man. And because of the fall of man, it's plunged all of mankind into sin, into death, and which necessitates redemption. (laughs) We need to be redeemed. And God sends a redeemer in Christ Jesus, the second, the last Adam, the second Adam. And Jesus ushers in a new kingdom, a new creation, which will be consummated, which will be fulfilled, uh, realized in the future when he returns. But it's all, that work is already happening now. Mm-hmm. And the place that you see that work happening now is on a Sunday morning in the church where when we take communion and we see all these new creations, the former has passed away, the new is here, taking communion at the foot of the cross being one in Christ. And so those four words, creation, fall, redemption, consummation, that's the Christian worldview. Every single person has to answer those four questions. Why is there something rather than nothing? What is wrong with the world? Is there any hope? And where are we headed? So in your basic conversations with people, ask them those questions. Learn their worldview. Then figure out what do they believe and then come back another meeting with them and have a further discussion. Put some holes in their, in their, uh, in their arguments and maybe point and, and definitely point them to Jesus, their yeah. only hope. So thanks so much for listening. This is the Redeemer Rockford Students podcast on what is a worldview. And so I hope it was helpful for you and uh, join us 
this uh, first Wednesday in February as we take on a uh, another false doctrine, a cult, or false worldview, and how to explain and uh, how to share the gospel with these people. Colin, thanks for being with me this morning. Thanks, man. Yep. Take care, guys.